RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 2, Episode 24, Save Star Trek Campaign, December 1967. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. And yes, all you uh, canonistas, all you tech heads, and of course you Trekophiles with an F. Boy, do we have a fun show this week. And it's so ironic that we're closing out, yes, we're closing out our second season already of The Trek Files. With a callback, a throwback, a nice karmic link to the end of the second season of the original series. Can't wait to get into this. We have several documents this week. Make sure and go over and look at them at our Facebook page, The Trek Files. Um, we, we have a plethora of documents from the late 1967 era and two wonderful special guests to talk about them. We'll be right back with all of that after we do a sample from... A very historic document. You may have heard about it, but never seen it in the flesh. Saving Star Trek should not have to be an annual project, but the sad truth is that as soon as fan mail to NBC stops coming in, the ivory tower types start getting nervous. When that happens, the network either drops the show or reduces it to the proven kitty format of intelligence-insulting scripts. A few far-sighted people are fighting for mature science fiction TV shows, but they need the aid of fans. Keeping up the quality of TV viewing is your job, and a constant one. Oh, you Trekophiles, I hope you're going to enjoy our season closer today because <laughs> we have two, you know, two legends of Star Trek fandom, two legends of Star Trek archiving and reference. And if you, look, if you, even all these years later, if you do not have your original series concordance, you're missing out because it's a, it's a building block of what came before. I know I couldn't have done any of my work without being inspired by it. Um, John and B. Joe Trimble, it is so great to have you guys back again, and especially to talk about the Save Star Trek campaign. Well, thank you very much for inviting us. Well, it's, I'm, sh- I'm just so glad to have you here and talking on the record because this is an amazing, it's an amazing point in Star Trek's history, but it's an amazing time in pop culture history. Again, it's another time to me when Star Trek is showing how the world is changing and how we're viewing entertainment and pop culture and fandom and everything that we take for granted today didn't exist then, and you guys were fighting the headwaters of that. <laughs> You laugh, you laugh, John, but it's true. You know it's true. So tell. So we talked uh, at our last visit. We talked about how you met Gene and, and the lunch. How did that lunch on the lot turn into um, the mail campaign, in which rumors are out there, supported, not supported, encouraged, whatever, and you did come on the payroll later and help set up um, what became Lincoln Enterprises, the catalog, mail order. But tell us about the roots of the mail okay. campaign. We have a letter here yeah. that's dated, actually, December 11th, 1967, second season, and mm-hmm. it's, a great, it's a great textbook. The other thing is it's a great textbook here about what was going on with Star Trek, but also, as with uh, Stephen Whitfield's book, people are getting an education like never before about how network TV really works, Yeah, which is what's great about this letter. Well, we had been, anytime we were in L.A., 
We lived in Oakland at the time. Uh, anytime we were in L.A., we had carte blanche to just call and go over to the Star Trek at a Paramount mm-hmm. and and see episodes being filmed. And we didn't we weren't there every week, but we were there with some frequency. <laughs> and um, it the the whole cast and crew had it just seemed so up. It was a happy set. Now, admittedly, there were problems between some of the <laughs> actors and so on, but that's you know personalities. So on the last time we were down there at uh, in at, in sixty seven, the whole feeling had changed. Hmm. We saw they were filming um, and a, a part of a. Episode Deadly Years. I was going to ask you if you remember what it was. Yeah, uh-huh. all of the you know where all of the major actors age through whatever it was, whatever the Miguel was. I don't remember the. <laughs> and then Doctor McCoy comes up with a magic elixir that, as as usual, <laughs> that uh, enables them to all regain their youth. So we were watching them film the scene where Kirk is back on the bridge, and the poor guy who was trying to run the ship while it was being attacked. Commodore Stalker, yes. Yeah, whatever whatever his name was, um, uh, is relieved because the captain's back and will take over and save the whole thing. So Shatner jumps down off the upper level of the bridge set onto the lower level where the command chair is, and he grabs his back with a sort of obviously still a twinge of age that mm-hmm. hasn't quite gone away. Acting, acting grabs his back. Yes, yeah. yes. So we watched Shatner get to do this over and over and over again. We're not really? sure if the director was after a great scene or if it was one of these things of let's have Shatner on. <laughs> a little passive aggressive. Uh, yeah. That's it. At any rate, but the whole tenor of the of the set was different than it had been before. Uh, the people would come back off doing something, and they just slumped down in their chairs. Uh, the crew were very down, and we we started asking people, "What's going on?" Mm-hmm. And we couldn't get any answers off anybody. So we did what you do on a set when you can't get answers from anybody. You go ask craft services. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Craft services are sort of the radar O'Reilly of um, movie sets. <laughs> the, the food table, basically. Yeah. Right. Yes. They are plugged into what's going on. Yeah. It's kind of like the bartender of the stage almost. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, so we asked the guy, what's going on? And he said, well, there's nothing official yet, but the word has kind of unofficially come down. The show is going to be canceled at the end of this season. Now, at this point, we were having to leave because we had to go back to Oakland. It's, you know, in those days, it was about an eight-hour drive. <laughs> we're on our way home, and we're talking about this, how it's really so sad that this show is going to be canceled. And I said to B. Joe, you know, there really ought to be something we can do about this. Now... I don't know why he did that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> because he had his eye on destiny. That's why. 
And so we spent the rest of the trip formulating a campaign. That eight-hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, nothing like this had been done before. And there had been minor things. I don't mean to denigrate anybody who has ran one, but it'd be basically showing up at the studio and, and, you know, carrying signs or that sort of thing. And we wanted a larger, all-encompassing sort of thing. I want it noted, by the way, for history books that John is the person who started this. There we go. Because he said... There ought to be something we can do about it. And I picked up the gauntlet. All right. So You hear he that, re- world? And he really should know better. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, praise and scold in one, yeah, exactly. one paragraph. There we go. <clears throat> so when we got back to Oakland, the first thing we did when it was you know, the next day was call Gene to find out if he, was, he wanted to do this to save the show or if he'd thrown in the towel. Because if he'd thrown in the towel, there was no sense right, trying to right. save it. We got a hold of, you know, we called down there and we're put through to Gene. And he said, whether it's true or not, that he had just come from a staff meeting where he had said, if there was only some way we could reach the fans. And we fell in his lap. <laughs> now, whether that's true or not, who knows? It's a good story. And stick, sticking with it. I was just checking here. We're talking about that. This is August, early August yeah. of 67 was when Deadly Years was being filmed, just mm-hmm. to kind of put things in perspective. So you checked in with Gene. Yeah. He said, yes, he wanted, you know, we got this. Some way we could read. Now, B. Joe started going around asking secretaries what made them. Well, go ahead. Oh, all right. Sure. Well, and, and we've got, and again, we've got the we've got the letters here right. copied on this week's I, show, everybody, on Facebook. Yes. I asked the, uh, what was in letters that made the secretary either answer it herself, put it across the boss's desk, uh, ground file it, uh, throw it away, yeah. or um, file it in the nut file. Yeah. And they told me. And this is what the do and don't. Uh, part of the, you know, how to write effective letters to save mm-hmm. Star Trek. And I wrote down what to do and then why, because fans <laughs> always need to know why. <laughs> What's <laughs> my motivation? Yes. You, know, yeah. you know, this is really one of the things we like about fans is that they do ask questions and, and they're curious enough to want to know answers. And this isn't always true of all everyone right. else. And so Cheap. this was, by the way, all done before personal computers. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I, I, I had a Selectric, yay, but that was about as fancy as we were going to get. I did Selectric very famously with yes, the change-up yes. balls and fonts, right. right. And, and John went down to the post office and learned the... Um, Brand new thing called zip codes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was and sorting for zip codes. Yeah, as a, yeah, so, yeah, and because it was the only way we could afford to mail out lots and lots of letters. Also, um, we needed to reproduce these things, and this was before the age of copy, copy shops and and uh, printer yeah. home printers and so on. Yeah, so well, much less photocopiers were. I mean, oh, you yeah. had thermal paper, and you had all kinds of yeah. wacky early so day. Yeah, we were science fiction fans from. Ways, and we all produced fanzines, which were amateur publications. Mm-hmm. Fan and magazines. So we, Pete Joe, would 
type all this stuff on wax stencils, and then I would take them and put them on the mimeograph machine. Now, for the benefit of you younger people out there, <laughs> look up typewriter and mimeograph. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking, too. There's a difference between mimeograph and, and ditto. ditto stencils. Yeah. Oh, yes. Ditto. You could get high on the ink from a ditto. Yes. But mimeograph was just straight ahead typing on, on yeah. special page paper pages stencils. Yeah. Yeah. right stencils yeah. Yeah, we went to put a put out a magazine on on uh, ditto uh, with uh, vodka <laughs> well we'd run out of the uh, spirit ditto fluid. yeah and right. it was spirit duplicator so i mean oh okay vodka. that's a first on me yeah we, I, well we don't drink vodka anyway so you know it's well, <laughs> it was cheap cheap Old Joe Jam brand vodka. As long as nobody, you know, lit a cigarette near it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this is this is classic, and and obviously the camp. Now we should mention in passing that Harlan had led a very kind of professional circle type mail campaign that gets overlooked at sometimes uh, for the first season. Yeah. Right. The first season got going. Right. And again, but it was much smaller and limited. It was there. Well, it did yeah. some good, but it was more concentrated on celebrities and science fiction well, people, right? Uh, science fiction writers and right. so on to say, look, here's a market we need to show that there's... Right. A, an intelligent want, market to yeah. sell our, our craft to. Well, but what you guys started yeah. was what really blew the doors off. One little note on, on the Harlan thing. Gene was a very rare producer. He was using real science fiction authors for the stories. As much as it pained them sometimes. Well, that was, yes. But, but, uh, yeah. Uh, as opposed to TV writers that could write but didn't know science fiction. So exactly. it was, a, yeah. Yeah. And it so, yeah. Uh, so that was worthwhile, except that he didn't ask enough people to uh, react to this. So, you know. Right. So we started now again. The, uh, the next step had to be finding people to write to. So, uh, we asked um, a wonderful fan uh, known as uh, um, Big Hearted Howard DeVore, yeah. <laughs> and he owned a, he owned a mail order uh, book uh, store. So he uh, shared he his mailing, his mailing list. list. We went to the World Con where Gene had shown the episodes of Star Trek and got their mailing list. Mm-hmm. So now we had a mailing list of people to. To start several thousand these letter yeah. out. So now the pyramid. So this is the reason why, even though we heard the news in August, you're now looking at something mm-hmm. dated December. The, all of the preparation took a while, and um, basically, then um, uh, we also asked Gene, who answers Star Trek's fan mail, and he said, um, "I don't know." I so. <laughs> We went to the Paramount Post Office, and all studios have a post office, but that isn't advertised. And we, they said, oh, yeah, we'd love to have you take these bags of mail away. So we couldn't take them all because, you know, we didn't have a house that big. But um, we took several bags at a time, and we had cardboard boxes all over the, the living room with, um, you know, the, the zip code and then the name of the state. You're getting the it. freshest uh, entries of all the new fan mail. Yeah, basically yeah. To, as a turnaround to write to. So and we're so sorted by zip code. Of those uh-huh. and, and throwing them in the box because we had no way of doing anything about it. And uh, yeah, we so didn't. We didn't even read it because we didn't have time to do that. 
Right. We went back later and read it. Right, and did that. So, I mean, but your your cover letter is amazing. It, this is like laying out the case to fans. Even, yep. okay, guys, this is not and 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 drawing in television business calendar. Options are picked up January, February. It's now December. This cannot wait. Get off your duff and do it now if you want the yep. show back. Yep. And okay. just this call to now it's the call to action. But you're going through uh, how the second season ratings are lower than the first season. Uh, the whole thing about the time slot and Gene coming back to has said he would he would be behind the show if it was renewed, and all the all the um, you know bullet points for getting people motivated, and uh, and even a little jab at fans <laughs> yeah, well, <you> know. <laughs> to sit back and do, do nothing and then come, and America uh, the American uh, way of sitting back and then griping when it didn't go your way at the end <laughs> yeah was, and yeah. every letter counts and just all those things that anyone who works in a campaign now any activists now. Right. No, and it was this is sixty eight, and again, as we said last time, what a year, yeah. you know, sixty eight oh, yeah. had been. Yes. So what's so what was this? So this goes out in December, and briefly, it becomes legendary. It becomes famous. There's mm-hmm. even the the, the the debate about uh, how many pieces of mail actually got to NBC and all the various. Oh yeah, NBC uh, was of course very unhappy with this, and he kept <laughs> they kept saying. Uh, which is what's, what's okay with us, by the way. Um, and they kept saying, well, Gene Roddenberry uh, is paying all these people to do it. Well, he wasn't that rich. Um, and really, um, we wouldn't let him play in. I know, I know, and drove him crazy, by the way, because producers are, yeah, they're, they're, they're you know. And, right. and so, but we told him that, that he would be blamed for it. Well, he was anyway, but, you know, uh, they couldn't prove anything then. Uh, and um, one day um, somebody came and told uh, Gene that, that that they had processed one million letters. Was that true? We don't know. Were they just, you know, uh, making friends with Gene? I don't know. But the fact is that at least we got enough for a voiceover to say uh, Star Trek has been renewed. Stop sending letters, because that was costing him to uh, to process. And, um, and of course, yeah. immediately they got several thousand thank you letters, <laughs> which they had to process. Which I yeah. I just I just want to say for history's note that that was a very famous on air announcement, which had, which was again unprecedented. Yeah. Nothing yeah. like that had ever happened. Uh, the final credits, it was a voiceover over the final credits of Omega Glory, which we can yeah. date to March 1st. Right. So there you go. So somewhere along the way, that had all come down the pike. And then they famously tried to minimize the number yeah. later. Well, I, one NBC uh, person, um, we met him over at, uh, at Paramount, um, and he said, well, later. We, yeah, we only got 50,000 letters. And I, I, I'm sure I didn't take it the way he meant it because... I said, oh, well, if we can make a network sit up and take notice with only 50,000 letters, think how powerful fandom really is. I'm <laughs> Not at all what he wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they hate having the fact. Now, real quickly, we have two other pieces. Uh, 69, the show is canceled for mm-hmm. good. Uh, you weren't. Uh, around had come and gone on the employee with the newsletters. No, and not the, yet. And, but, and, and uh, we had. Yeah, we had. Well, we had a couple of documents here. Other people were trying to pick up the gauntlet again in 1969. Right. Right. After right. we have one from the office here on letterhead, one from a fan named um, uh, Margaret Rose, Maggie Rose. Maggie Rose, in Hollywood. The very crammed, single-spaced, and basically repeating yeah. all the points of the earlier campaigns, but obviously. 
didn't do. Uh, do you remember that happening at the time? Watching you weren't involved. No. On that no. one, obviously, and doing your own. What was that feeling like? And then when you saw the '69 effort, did you know it wasn't going to work? Well, we'd actually accomplished what we needed to with getting the third episode on. Yeah, knowing that third season. Okay. Third season part. If a show didn't have three seasons in those days, it would never be syndicated. And we knew that Star Trek needed to be syndicated if it was going to live on. And so, sure enough. Yeah. <laughs> you guys had the foresight already. Knew we'd be sitting here 52 years later talking about this. <laughs> Who knew? 50-something. Listen, if we... Who knew? You knew. If we had known all of this, we'd have hit up Paramount for 1% of 1% and been yeah. doing pretty good by now. A piece right. of the action. A very <laughs> minuscule piece of the action. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we have to take up the saga... Uh, of this, we have to have you guys come back one more time and talk about what happened after this and all of everything trembles and everything Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek, even after the mail campaign. Could you guys come back for one more visit? Oh, yes. Oh, sure. Okay. We will plan on it then. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All our documents are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me at larrynemachek.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.